Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello, humans. It's your host, Corey, and today we're going to talk about creativity. Specifically, I want to make the argument that developing your creativity could be the very means of saving your life. And no, I do not exaggerate, but before I get into this, let me explain. What do I mean when I say creativity? When I tell you that creativity is amazing and it could save your life, what am I saying? What am I even talking about? For me, creativity serves at least three different functions. The first function is problem solving. If I have a creative mind, if I have cultivated my creativity, that means that whenever something difficult happens, or I have a problem of some sort to solve, then I would be able to draw on that creativity to solve my problems. Because creativity, in its essence, really is just problem solving. You have a certain set of conditions or a certain perimeter in which you get to operate, and then you have to creatively find a solution in order to achieve what you want. So if you come from a background like mine, where maybe resources were really limited, or maybe emotionally or mentally your hands are tied behind your back, then creative problem solving can be the difference between being a healthy, well human and not, and staying sick and staying stuck in your patterns. In addition to problem solving, creativity is also an amazing means of expression. So if you have a lot of difficult emotions that you're working with, or maybe you're just trying to understand something about your experience, if there's anything inside your mind or your heart that you want to share with others or even just understand yourself, then you can use creativity to express those feelings, to make those connections to others. If, for example, you're dealing with a lot of pain, then you can express that pain through a story or through a song or through some art. And that clears up some space inside you so that you don't have to carry that with you, all bottled up and making you crazy from the inside out. And then a third advantage of creativity is I think it can be used to find meaning in your life. Just like what I did with my mother in the Who Killed My Mother podcast, I used my creativity to create and tell that story so that I could try to understand our relationship and understand everything that happened to us and to decide how I felt about it, to contextualize myself and my experience and my life with her. So problem-solving, expression of big emotions, or just living, (laughs) and then finding meaning. These are all things that creativity can do for you. And it's for these reasons that I put creativity in the third pillar. If you remember the four pillars of a good relationship with yourself from episode one, Pillar one being a good relationship with your body. Pillar two being a good relationship with your mind and your emotions as they are interconnected. Pillar three being a good relationship with your spirit. And pillar four being a good relationship to other people. Then I think that creativity falls under a good relationship with your spirit. And I put it with pillar three because creativity is about as 
immaterial and non-specific as the term spirit. You know, your spirit can express itself. Your spirit can find meaning. And so I think that it interconnects in those ways. And creativity can provide you with that expansive, hopeful feeling where anything is possible, which I also connect to the idea of spirit. So what is my personal history with creativity? And why do I think it can be the difference between leading a healthy, happy life and staying stuck in your trauma cycle? Well, for my mom, her creativity was singing and music. I have these really bittersweet memories of my mother sitting on the kitchen counter. <laughs> I don't know if you ever had anyone in your life who sits on the counters or sometimes if they're in the bathroom, their feet are in the sink and they're leaning really close to the mirror. But my mom was prone to doing that sort of thing and I have this really bittersweet memory of her sitting on the kitchen counter with, you know, a beer in her hand and she's singing Tracy Chapman's Give Me One Reason to Stay Here. And if you know the song, and you know my mom's story, then you'll know why it's such a heartbreaking image, picturing her there singing that. But she had such a beautiful voice. She had started singing in the church when she was really young and playing piano. And by the time she was a teenager, she was traveling around with my grandmother, who was a visiting minister, a visiting pastor. So my mom would sing and play the piano, and my grandmother would preach. And that's actually how my parents met. My mom was singing in the church in Granite City, where my father was from at the time. So my grandmother went to the church, and she came back, and she was like, oh, you have to come. You know, there's this woman there. She sings like an angel. And so my father came, and he listened to my mother sing. And then by then, she was already kind of dating my uncle, but <laughs> he, uh, he got the boot for the brother who had the motorcycle and the tattoos. I guess that was more of my mom's type. But anyway, that's how they met because she was singing in the church and singing had always meant so much to her. Music had always meant so much to her. And I remember her doing it more when I was younger. And then as she got older, there was nothing. You know, she completely abandoned it. And I think that's a really good indicator of where she was emotionally, where she had given up on herself and the possibility because when you create something, if you're tapped into that creative feeling, you're essentially tapped into hope. You're tapped into possibility. You're tapped into that expansive feeling. And if you give up on that, if you stop cultivating that experience in your life, it becomes really easy to be consumed by your pain, by your trauma. And then with my father, the only time I really remember him expressing creativity is that when he was in prison, he would make art for me, like he would draw Disney characters. He would make these paintings and drawings and he would color them and then he would send them to me in the mail. And so it was clear to me that he was using art to help him get through this really difficult time in prison. But after he got out of prison, I don't ever remember seeing him draw or even like doodle. So it was definitely something that he used when times were really difficult, but then abandoned when he got out and returned to his life. And then for me, because I think it should be evident to anyone that I'm really devoted to creativity, to my creativity, and I express it in a lot of different ways. So my history with it is a little bit more detailed, a little bit longer. And I would say that it began probably in childhood, making up stories, 
make-believe art drawing anything that you know kids do that's just considered play you know as adults we tend to sit down and we make a big deal out of things we're like i'm going to be creative and i'm going to make these things but as kids you're creative all the time and you're just it's called play you know you're just expressing yourself you're just making things up you're just having a good time so when i started to be creative in a little bit more of an adult capacity in the sense that i was taking myself seriously <laughs> It was no longer play, I guess we could say. It would probably be the emo poetry that I was writing in high school. And that's pretty much how I learned to write. I cut my teeth on poetry. I learned how to use imagery and language to not just convey my feelings, but to evoke feelings in other people. And I did end up staying with it long enough to go and get an MFA in poetry. But in high school, I definitely was not writing anything publishable. I was writing very... Um, <laughs> confessional teenage I mean there's no better word for it. it's emo poetry you know comparing my emotions to like rain and things like that so it's very dramatic very befitting of a you know 14 year old with a journal and then by the time I was coming out of school and I was beginning to write as an actual writer I you know I decided to become a writer when I was 23 I think it was so then I went to school and I was writing in my classes, and my creative writing classes, and I started to take myself seriously as a person who wanted to write stories for an income as an actual writer. So I still wasn't very good at it. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I did find ways to use creativity to explore the things I mentioned, to solve my problems, to express my experiences, to express my emotions and my trauma, and to kind of find meaning in the things that I had been through. Starting with my Dying for a Living series, my Dying for a Living series was the first fiction I had ever tried, and if you've ever read it, <laughs> if you've read it, it is interesting, but it's definitely different, it's new, it's, it's not like anything else on the shelf, which is probably why my agent ended up not being able to uh, sell it, why I ended up publishing that myself, opening up my own independent press and publishing it. But Dying for a Living... The series very much concentrates, you can see it throughout the whole story, it, it's about the main character's trauma. So Jesse Sullivan is the main character, and it's fantasy, so she has the ability to die for a living. And what that means is she can die in place of someone else, so if someone else is going to die, she can die for them, and then she will resurrect you know, a couple days later, and she loses parts of her memory every time she dies for someone else, and there's this risk of forgetting who she is or becoming insane, and so there's a lot of exploration of what it means to, to know who you are. And then her story, her, like, backstory is very, I mean, you couldn't read that story and not see me and my mom in it, you know, it's, it was very much a beginner debut novel in the sense that there was a lot of me in it and you kind of gravitate away from that the more that you write at least that's been my experience that I can still tell stories and it can still have a lot about me in it but not be quite so <laughs> like autobiographical on the page sort of thing it does reflect as an early work of mine but it was still really interesting because I could see in that story my quest to heal my own trauma because Jesse's story arc is very much about how to create your found family, how to move away from traumatic family of origin and move towards creating a healthy family of loving people who support you. 
Jessie grows to find out what her powers are, what she's capable of. And she is an anti-hero. She doesn't want to save the world, but she finds her own reason to do it at the end of the day, something that means something to her that matters. And she starts to believe in herself. And those were all things that I was grappling with at the time in my early 20s when I was trying to understand what was going on with me. Obviously, I do not have the, the superpower of dying and coming back from the dead, but I used her as a creative outlet to explore some of these themes that I was struggling with myself. But how do you find a family when yours is a source of pain? How do you figure out what you're living for? How do you fall in love with yourself or someone else? These are all things that were central to that series. And then the next series I wrote, the Shadows in the Water series, is a really clear expression of my difficult relationship with my father, the main character, Louis Thorne. Essentially, the, the series is a crime thriller. You've got all the components. Hot mafia guy, <laughs> forbidden love, mafia kills your family so you hunt them down and kill the mafia, private detective solving crimes. I mean, it's very clearly in that genre, but the one twist is that Louis Thorne has this special ability to move through shadows. So it's kind of like teleportation, but she just steps through the dark and it takes her anywhere she wants to go. And same for water. And when she was a child, she was terrified of this power. It was really scary to her. She didn't like not having agency over where she was. And her real support was her father. But then he's killed. And she's raised by an aunt who has the same ability, or at least a similar ability. And Louis becomes this vigilante, this huntress by night, where she's hunting down all these criminals in the crime world and she's killing them. And she's doing it clearly in my mind because of her grief, her loss of her father. And when I reread those books, obviously, <laughs> I am not Louis Thorne. I'm not friends with people who have a private investigation unit. I don't have superpowers, right? All of that is fiction. But I can still see a lot of me and what I was working through in the story. It's clear to me that I was working through the grief of losing my father. Even though my father didn't die, I still lost him through rejection and pain of our relationship. I still had a lot of anger around that. I still had a lot of pain. And so you can see as Louis is working through these things where I was working through them as well, kind of getting a sense of how did I want to view the world? Did I want to see it as someone who was really angry? And so that's pretty much been Louis' journey, is moving away from her anger and her grief toward another found family. She now has very loving, supportive people in her life, and she's developing good relationships, and she's discovering what being happy even means and what being at peace even means. There's a lot of talk about finding peace not at the end of a gun, because, <laughs> you know, for her, killing is a thing, right? So finding peace not at the end of a gun. So her whole journey has just been about processing her anger and her grief and moving towards happiness and healness. And then the series I was writing when my mom died was the City series, which is a three-book trilogy, a sci-fi trilogy that's set 500 years in the future. And that was really fun to write just because I'm a very cerebral person and I like to imagine things, <laughs> if, you, if you couldn't tell. I like to imagine things. And so I was imagining what the world would look like in 500 years, complete top to bottom, everything from politics, government, geography, dealing with environmental issues, all of it just 
up and down the board. And so it was really fun for me to work through all the little details. And that was the writer part, right? That's the writer brain. But the creative, emotionally expressive part was in Grace's story. So Grace is the main character. And she is the, it's commander is the term for her position in the book, but it's essentially like a police chief of this certain area, zone two. And her husband and her son are killed in a explosion. It was a really big shock to her, a really big shock to her community. And so it's another story about grief, about her picking herself up after her loss. And when I reread it, so I reread part of book one recently, and I can just see my grief for losing my mom all over the page. There's this description where Grace is just talking about how she's consumed by what could she have done differently and her mistakes. And to see myself so much in that, even though that's clearly like a story, it was it was an outlet for me to process that grief, to see that grief from a different angle. Because when you become other characters, can look at your emotions, your big emotions from a different angle. And so I definitely was able to do that. And then Grace's story is is similar to Louis in that it's it's also redemption. It's she's not <laughs> Grace is not as violent as Louis, fortunately, but she she has the same arc of can I let go of what happened to me, this terrible thing that happened to me, and can I find happiness again? Here is the possibility of happiness and peace, and can I make room for that in my life? Can I let go of this grief enough to make room for that? And so that's her journey. And it's pretty much the same with Who Killed My Mother, which is not fiction like any of the other stories. All these other series, 20-something novels that I've written, those are all fiction. But if you read Who Killed My Mother, you or you listen to the podcast, of course, it's the same thing. It's it's me trying to make a sense of things, to express my guilt, to explore those big emotions and feelings and pain that came with not just my relationship with my mother, but her sudden, surprising, shocking murder, you know? These are all just different angles to do the same things, to figure out how I feel about stuff and how to process what's happened to me and how to look at my situation with fresh eyes and to make sense of it and to let some of that big engulfing emotion out of my body because I feel like that's what drives us crazy right when we keep everything in and then also to just find meaning like for me it's very meaningful to write stories that I can share with other people that they can enjoy that they can find value in feels like a good use of a life it feels like a good use of my time and so these are all ways that creativity has served me but even outside of actual creating something not counting the stories I write not counting paintings I do, not counting drawings, anything I make, apart from all that, creativity has just been so valuable to me in changing the way I think about myself and what I think is possible. Creativity, it really does give you hope. It is at its core a vote for hope. If you think something's not possible and then somehow, oops, you, you made it possible with just this creative solution that came to you or that you found by accident, you're like, huh, it just changes the way you view things. And the more you're able to solve your problems creatively, the more you begin to feel like, I can do stuff. Hey, I'm capable. I guess I do have options. I guess there are possibilities here. So it can be very empowering to develop a strong connection with creativity. And then to use that creativity to make your life better. I mean, that's definitely what I did, not just because I'm a writer as a profession, I'm a storyteller as a profession, but I use creativity every day in how am I going to deal with this big, difficult emotion? What are my options? That's a creativity question. 
why am I even here on this planet? What am I going to do with the next 40-something years of my life? That's a creativity question. What matters to me and why does it even matter? Those are also creativity questions. But that's it. I mean, I think the biggest difference between why I ended up okay and why my mother ended up so hopeless by the end of her life is because she had lost her connection to her creativity, to her voice, to her power, to her belief in her abilities. She was no longer living in a world of possibility. Without her creative outlets, all of her doors had shut on her. So she stayed sick and she stayed unwell. And on the contrast, I found the motivation and just the mindset to continue to work on myself, to never give up on myself because I had this creativity in my life. So, I mean, that's why I think it's, it's so important. But how do you develop your creativity, right? So here I am, I'm going on and on about why creativity is so important. But how do you do it if you don't have any connection to your creativity right now? Well, I would first start off by saying it really depends on what you love. What are you drawn to? Is it drawing, singing, dancing, stories? Like, what do you have a connection to? And if you don't know, because there are definitely some of us who have not played in a really long time, we are too adult for that. We take ourselves too seriously. And so you may have no idea what you're connected to right now. You don't have any idea what's fun anymore, in which case you're just going to have to make time for it and to try different things and see what sparks joy, what lights you up, what feels like you're having a great time. And don't be surprised if it's different things. Because every form of creativity is a tool. You know, music is a tool, movie making is a tool, writing is a tool. These are all different tools. And so you might like doing more than one thing or you might want to use different things for different ideas that come to you. Keeping a journal is also really great for sparking those ideas. And I also recommend if you've never done Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way. So if you feel like you have no connection to your creativity, you're super stuck. I really do recommend you starting with that book, with Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way, because it's specifically for that. It's to get you unstuck creatively. And so I do it all the time. She's got several of them. I do at least one or two of those books a year. So Artist's Way is the first one. I would start there and see what you can shake loose for yourself. And I just want to say a quick thing about not confusing creativity and skill. So one of these blockages that you run into when you're trying to develop your connection to your creativity is that you think because you're bad at it that you must not be creative. But that's a skill issue. That doesn't say anything about your creativity. That just says something about your skill level. So let yourself play. Let yourself be weird. Test your limits. And if you suck at something and you don't like the results, it does not mean you're not creative. It just means you haven't developed that skill. So for example, I have a lot of writing skill, but I could not, for the life of me, get up and play the flute or the violin or sing you a song with any semblance of a tune um, because I don't have those skills. But I am a very creative person. If you're trying things out, you're trying to spark that creativity or develop your creativity even further, don't be too hard on yourself. Do not confuse skill and creativity. Because the magic you're looking for is something that you're drawn to, something that feels fun, something that allows you to develop those creative muscles and so that you can expand your toolbox and expand your problem-solving skills, which are key to your wellness journey. And then the skills will develop over time, you know, with practice. So again, don't get too hung up on where you're at in the beginning. Just keep doing it and you will get better at it. But anyway, so that's my argument for why everyone should be creative. Get out there, express those big feelings, 
play, make sense of your life, give yourself a reason to go on. All of it is super important to being a well-cared-for human is to make that room for your creativity, that it really could be the difference between you being well and you being sick and stuck in your patterns for the rest of your life. So please give it a go. Keep an open mind. I feel like this is going to be a commercial. And play today. (laughs) Please go play today. This episode has been sponsored by Play. Please go play. (laughs) Anyway. All right. I'm done being silly. I will be back next week with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human. And until then, please go play and also take very good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.